0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language.
1: Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to talk about the week that was in all-elite wrestling dynamite. Stock up, stock down.
0: It feels like we just did this, Joel. <laughs> well we we, we did. We did. Yep. It it's nice that we only have to cover one show today. It's yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's just been a lot lately. So yeah, let's uh let's dive right into it. Joel, yeah, so. uh I think the first topic we want to touch on was the opening of the show, the really fun angle here between Red Dragon, the young bucks, with uh Adam Cole directly in the middle here. Uh we're seeing some tension. We we had some, we're the best tag team. No, we're the best tag team drama. Uh, it's interesting. We've talked about this kind of being what the direction with the elite was going to be. And it's actually nice seeing it kind of start. You know, it's been teased. And this was really kind of the first week where it felt like there was some real movement on it. So what are your thoughts?
1: Well, what's interesting here to me is that like the Bucks are positioned as the Heels. And Red Dragon are positioned as babyfaces. But then Adam Cole is positioned as a mega heel because Mm -hmm. he's kind of playing both sides and being like, hey, I love this. This is what we need. We need to face off and figure out who's the best and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you know, that's not actually going to work. Like the (laughs) egos of these four men are way too big to, in a kayfabe sense, coexist within the same faction. You can't have two top tag teams in a faction together. So I, I really am looking forward. I, I think these two teams have history together. They can put on amazing matches, complementary styles, all that good stuff. But I think the added element of Adam Cole being in the middle, you know, when they were in Ring of Honor, Red Dragon were a babyface tag team taking on the Evil Bullet Club where Adam Cole and the Young Bucks were, you know, mega heels on top. So it's a very different dynamic to have, you know, Adam Cole as kind of the go-between of a babyface team and a heel team, and how this is all going to play out. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the performance in the ring. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. it went on a little bit long, and that I didn't necessarily need the best friends interaction but it was cool to see Britt Baker get involved in an in-ring segment Mm -hmm. with Adam Cole and them kind of acknowledge that whole situation. Yeah. So
0: yeah, yeah. You could have definitely had them just kind of have their back and forth and that be it. But I think it was important to have the, the super friends come out because it kind of put them back all on the same side for a few moments. You know, it's like, Hey, we're bickering here, but at the moment, like we're one group, we're one unit. Um, and we'll see how that deteriorates going forward. I also liked how at the beginning, Adam Cole took center stage and basically was like, I am the best. I haven't lost. I haven't been pinned. I haven't been submitted. I am undefeated in singles competition. Uh, when Kenny Omega went on vacation by <laughs> surgeries, uh, we talked about how there's going to be a lot of opportunity here for Adam Cole to, to develop and become more of a single star here in AEW. So um, I think this was kind of a way to remind us of that, and hopefully, we'll get him. Maybe while these two teams are kind of feuding, he he can build up some wins, makes his way back towards the top, and you know, a Hangman Page Adam Cole match down the line. I think would be really fun, um, as long as well as some of the other potential matches that Adam Cole could have. So, um, yeah, and and the Britt Baker stuff I thought was pretty fun. Like they've mentioned that there are a couple. Have we seen them on on camera before together?
1: not that i remember I, um
0: but i don't i don't feel like on dynamite maybe on like being the elite they have but like it felt this was the first time and i feel like it's big because like we know there are a couple and it's i'm like i'm really well, excited for this intergender match screen next week. with yeah.
1: like adam Shavani, Cole having yeah. an issue with shivani and stuff like that um uh, so I, I think the match has the potential to be great i hope that we see some intergender spots I know that AEW is still a little bit shy about doing actual intergender wrestling, Mm -hmm. but there's the opportunity here. And Chris Statlander is like, does not look small next to Adam Cole. I mean, (laughs) a lot of people don't look small next to Adam Cole. (laughs) Right. But I mean, I I think sometimes that's an issue that people make up in their heads is like the size difference and how that looks. And I, I think here, like, she could absolutely toss him around and uh, they could have some really fun spots. Chris Statlander is somebody who's done a lot of intergender wrestling on the Indies. So she's got mm-hmm. experience there. And I-, I think there's a lot of potential for some fun stuff in this match. What I'm really interested to see and what I think would be cool as a long-term story would be to have the bucks kind of floundering and have the rift between them and Adam Cole getting bigger over time. But They don't really have anyone else to attach themselves to. So they kind of stick around. And then whenever Kenny Omega does come back down the road, you know, months from now, whatever that be the impetus for them breaking with Adam Cole, siding with Kenny Omega. And then we've got a nice little intrafaction feud between Cole, O'Reilly and fish and the reunited super elite.
0: Yeah, there's definitely some really good storytelling potential here. You could kind of have the Bucks have like a crisis in faith moment over the next few months. Having Red Dragon, you know, have more success. Having Adam Cole have more success. Hell, put the TNT strap on Cutler, <laughs> like or Butler <laughs> or <laughs> Landon, whatever. Landon, yeah, uh, let let him have more success in the Bucks. Like, really build this up and uh, the inevitable you know, clash between those two, two groups would be huge, be critically like match-wise would be awesome. It would make a ton of money. Um, yeah, so it's, we've seen AEW do a really good job with their long-term storytelling and without knowing when Kenny Omega can come back, I'm curious to see how they make this story kind of extend, you know, they're going to have moments where like, Oh no, they're actually on good terms. They're you know, they're on opposite sides of a tournament bracket or they're both had title match, or something like that. Like they're going to be content for a while and then they're dissolved some more. So, um, yeah, more Adam Cole, you know, spotlight for me. I'm just, I love him. Um, he's really fun. They, I liked Britt Baker interrupting the kiss that the, the young bucks do. Um, I thought that was fun. And, uh, yeah, if we get Chris Statlander versus Britt Baker, give it that to me all day. Like, I think we've seen them before, but it's one of those pairings that just has unlimited potential in the type of match they can deliver.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our second topic of the show and uh, a segment that we both really enjoyed, which was uh, MJF Wardlow and CM Punk. Uh, The match itself, I thought was really interesting. I wasn't sure what they were going to do in order to protect Wardlow and preserve his monster status without compromising CM Punk's undefeated record because it it felt like one of those two things had to give. And uh, Mike, what did you think about how they went about accomplishing both of those things at the same time?
0: I I thought they did this beautifully. I thought it worked really, really well because Wardlow would have won the match if not for MJF. Like Wardlow proved that he just could kick the shit out of CM Punk for 5 10 minutes and he would have walked away with the, the the win if it wasn't for his boss. And with Punk like this is the most I think the most beating we've seen him take since he joined AEW and he was getting flung around he took god how many power bombs did he take over 10 too many th- too many <laughs> like it like he, the, you didn't have to think he was acting like he looked legitimately like that really fucking hurt. And just imagine like getting the breath knocked out of you 10 times in a row, <laughs> like like just miserable. So I think they did a really good job here because I think two things um, came out of this. Wardlow looked like a monster and CM Punk basically has caused an even bigger rift between Wardlow with MJF. And you could say this is CM Punk taking down the people around MJF. So at some point, MJF won't have anyone to hide against. You know, we're going to see CM Punk versus Sean Spears next week. And that might get Sean Spears out of the picture for the foreseeable future. So I I thought this was really well done. I think Wardlow looked great. I would love to like down the line, CM Punk say, hey, I want another chance at you um, where I don't have to do a cheap inside cradle, whatever type of cradle at the end to win. Um, Because I think they could put on a really good story, but. I think CM Punk did everything he could to make Wardlow look like a star. And that's what you want from this.
1: Yeah, agreed. This was really fun. And it legitimately caused me to question, like, how is this going to end? Like, is this going to be a referee stoppage? Is this going to be a disqualification? Like, Mm -hmm. is there some angle here that's going to, you know, cause this, to go sideways for Wardlow because that's how dominant he was looking. And I liked the way it was set up by like a momentary lapse in concentration from punk was all Wardlow needed to seize control and absolutely obliterate him for the next five minutes. (laughs) So uh, this was a fun one. And as listeners of the pod will know, I am very much looking forward to the inevitable collapse of Mm -hmm. the Wardlow MJF relationship uh, there might not be a match that I want more right now than Wardlow versus MJF. Like that might be the thing that I'm looking forward to the most that we, that we know is coming
0: yeah. mm-hmm. and it's gonna, it's gonna get here, uh, I think sooner than we think. And one thing I, I, from this match, every time he picked up punk for another, uh, power bomb, I was like, okay, here's where punk gets out of it. Here's where Punk pulls like the Rey Mysterio and starts punching him in the head. And every time I was shocked that it didn't happen, like by the sixth power bomb, I was like, what the fuck is going on? It kind of reminded me of that, um, that, that it didn't end the same way, but that Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton pay-per-view match a few years ago where Brock Lesnar like literally just kicked the shit out of him for like five minutes and that was it.
1: Oh, like, I thought of Brock Lesnar and John cena where oh yeah like, the completely <laughs> non-competitive John Cena just gets obliterated match
0: oh you know what where and he took like 15 German suplexes like it it was kind of yeah. the same you know just the same move over and over and over nothing the the baby face can do so yeah that's a really good comparison too um yeah so I I'm enjoying this feud um it, it started really hot with the promos and i think we're it's moving and uh, at a great pace now and sean spears cm punk should be really fun like yeah like that's we throw dream match around a lot but this is a match that i'm really excited for and i think those two can put on a really good uh fun story if they're given you know the time
1: well sean spears is criminally underrated and it's cool to see him get a spotlight match like this. I'm still waiting for him to get a proper run and, you know, get a, a TNT title um, run and, and, and stuff like that. So just someone that I'm really excited to see more from. And he's also been around the block. Like he's mm-hmm. older than I think a lot of people realize. So, you know, we got to get this guy, his flowers while he's still in the prime of his <laughs> career, which he absolutely is right now. So I'm um, looking forward to this match. It should be a lot of fun.
0: Oh, can I say one more thing? Just Wardlow's facial feature, like, expressions during this match, too. Like, just the frustration and annoyance with MJF mm-hmm. was just was just perfect. Like, I've thrown that look at friends and family before. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I know exactly how what he, what he was feeling in that moment. So.
1: Just, yeah, very just relatable. Very relatable. Yeah.
0: All right, Joel, you want to move on to lightning round? Let's do it. Lightning round. Well, we didn't get the five-star match I thought we were going to get between Hikaru Shida and Serena Deep, but I thought this did a really good job of just making Deep look like such an asshole. <laughs> like, and Shida tweeted today that basically I was, you know, this was my last match before I went back to Japan. So now I'm just going to go home and heal. So I wonder if they were just writing her off the TV for a while with her going back home. Um, I'm not worried though, because I feel like this is a, Rivalry that they can pick up at any time once Sheeta comes back. So I would really love to see deep go on like a roll here and just get win after win after win title matches, whatever, just look like a million bucks. So when Sheeta comes back, it's they can just hit the ground running.
1: Well, I think Serena Deeb is someone who would have been featured a lot more in 2021 had she not been injured. So. I think 2022 can be that year for her that we were expecting last year after she signed where she is featured regularly on weekly television and is getting these kind of big matches, big feuds that can advance her character and put her in position to contend for a title because she should be someone challenging Britt Baker. She should be someone challenging Jade Cargill. So mm-hmm. uh, let's let's see what comes next for her and uh, hopefully she continues to be featured heavily.
0: Yeah, agreed. Also Professor Professional the Professor of Professional Wrestling is such a cool fucking like nickname. It's Especially so cool. for someone
1: it. who's so technically driven, it uh, mm-hmm. totally works for her. Yeah. Uh, so a match that I really really enjoyed from this card was Powerhouse Hobbs and Dante Martin. I thought this was a really good blend of uh the, you know, brutality of Hobbs and him getting one big shot in here and there that was just completely leveling the playing field in terms of Mm -hmm. quantity of offense. It was like 80% Dante Martin, 20% Hobbs, but the quality of offense was much more even. (laughs) And, uh, I love matches like this. It's one of my favorite things to see in a pro wrestling ring. And these two just really killed it. The, the finish I thought was fun. I like Jay lethal getting involved here. And uh, him being a person. I mean, how many mentors does Dante Martin have at this point?
0: That's, um, that's what I was going to point out. It's just, he keeps looking like, it's like, he keeps looking for someone to, to, to help him or latch onto, or just these people trying to take advantage of him. I don't know, but God, we've gone from the side to Leo rush, which I guess that partnership is, is over to Jay lethal coming out. So, and that was kind of out of nowhere. And, and like he, he didn't show his face until they were back on the ramp, so you really had to trust them to say it's Jay Lethal because it's like, like the camera angles weren't great. So, um, but yeah, I, I agree, Joel. This was super fun. Um, some of those like cross bodies that that Hobbs pulled out were like they just look like a disaster <laughs> when they happen. You know, because like when you see like spears or something, it's like okay, they landed safe. Like some of those things, he just kind of exploded. Uh, yeah, to Dante Martin and Ma- Martin sold the hell out of it.
1: Well, he's got that like for lack of a better word like full body splash that he hits in a mm-hmm. standing position and and just yeah. trucks people and i really really like that spot it and it can come out of nowhere because there's no real lead into it it's just i'm going to run through you mm-hmm. and you're going to end up flat on your back and wondering what the hell happened and yeah, I'd be like
0: you trying to tackle derrick henry <laughs> is is what it looks like, because it just they like, just kind of bounce off of him, and it's effort and it effort effortlessly bounces off him, and it looks painful. And Dante Martin here too, like I like just the emotion he had coming down to the ring, you know, attacking Hobbs before the match, and everything he does just looks amazing. That missile drop kick that he hit at some point where he was twenty feet over the ring, thirty feet, ten thousand feet above the ring, it was just just incredible. So. Hopefully this isn't the end. And we talk about how AEW is good at evolving feuds. If adding a person like Jay Lethal, which I think it's not a coincidence that we haven't seen him since his debut. I think they saw probably the response from that first dynamite um, all the, the chatter on the interwebs and probably thought let's hold him back for a while. Let's like cool down. And I think we'll see way more of Jay Lethal here moving forward.
1: I mean, I think there's also just an element of bandwidth, right? There's been a lot going on yeah. and, you know, some of these debuts, like we've talked about on and off air, like there's only so much time to go around and mm-hmm. it's difficult to, you know, find spaces for these things. So,
0: yeah. So, well, Joel, something I want to talk about and, uh, our segment with our AEW champion, Hague Page, uh, first off, I actually liked the back and forth with Dan Lambert here talking about what real cowboys are. It didn't devolve into sexist, misogynistic crap, like him referencing all of these famous cowboy wrestlers and him saying, if you're from the Carolinas, Virginia, you're not a cowboy. Like I thought that was a really good back and forth here. And then Adam page talking about how he's a walking Facebook profile, which I think is one of the best lines I've heard from a professional wrestler. Um so this was fun. And then we had a a fun surprise twist where it's the murder hawk. He's back, back from his injury. And the blackout onto the steel chair is already in consideration for one of my spots of the year because that looked vicious. And Paige sold it incredibly. So Joe, what'd you think about this?
1: I really enjoyed it. I, I too liked the back and forth. And I thought there was a really great line from Hangman Page saying like, you don't think growing up 90 minutes from here with 200 head of cattle is cowboy shit. And, you know, just kind of going down the line of of like his background and who he is and his accomplishments. And I think it was a really important spot for him to go out there with someone the crowd hates. So Mm -hmm. everybody wants to cheer for what hangman page is saying and then deliver some good lines. Uh, I think Lance Archer is a great person for him to beat. So um, I, I like this placement. That is his role: is to come out and look mean, and then get beat. So oh, yeah. he, he
0: should be on Team Taz. How often he gets beat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also I really really liked Dan Lambert after the Murder Hawk comes out, being like, "Hey, it's water under the bridge. You're in the the ring with the world champion. Yep. Don't mess up this opportunity." And you know, Murder Hawk Monster goes. Hmm, you're correct.
0: You made a think, good point.
1: <laughs> I don't gain anything from beating you up, but I do gain something from beating the crap out of the world champion who just said he needs a challenger. So uh challenge accepted. I think this was great.
0: Yeah. I, I was really hoping that I would have gotten that Scorpio sky hangman page match that I was, I was dreaming of a few weeks ago on the pod, but this works too. Um, and this, if you're going to have Dan Lambert on the show, use him like this. This was great. Like, He's a heat seeking missile. He doesn't need to go with the misogynistic sex craze comments to get heat. He's legitimately good at talking on the mic. Just let him do stuff like this and it will work. And we won't be kind of muting it when he's in a promo with Jericho. So, but Joel, what do you got for me in lightning round?
1: Uh, So I think this is something that we're probably going to say multiple times over the course of 2022. Um, I think Jungle Boy delivered his best promo of his time in AEW so far. I really liked his line delivery. Granted, still backstage, still pre-recorded, but I really, really liked his uh carrying the, the time during their uh challenge where they were trying to find somebody to fight for the tag team championships. And I thought he was convincing. He seemed excited and not nervous to be talking on mm-hmm. camera, and it just really worked for me. I also like the pairing of uh, Jurassic Express against the Beaver Boys. So um, I, I think this is going to be really fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's I. It's funny you mentioned that you thought it was real. I kind of thought it was just kind of a bland promo. He didn't say much. Like they, they didn't really, it wasn't a long promo. It wasn't this kind of game breaking message. I thought it was fine. But with these, with the tag team championship, I'm, I'm really looking at the work rate. And if you're going to give us a match with no real builds like this, just make it a good match. Yep. And, you know, d- d- when you're in a segment with John Silver and the- and Dark Order members, just sit back and let them run with it because they're going to make this segment entertaining. You don't have to do much.
1: I-, I completely agree with you about the tag division. I think work rate is what I'm looking for. But when it comes to Jungle Boy, what I'm looking mm-hmm. for is development in the one area where he is not aces. And that's the microphone, right? Everything else, he's got amazing charisma. He's got a great look. He's an incredible worker. The one thing that he needs to improve to be world championship material is his ability on the microphone. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think it was like a a groundbreaking, world-shattering promo, but I think it's a sign of development. And that's what I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, Joel, one thing I wanted to talk about, um, God, I can't believe we're this far into the show and we haven't talked about it, there's a new member of the House of Black, and Brody King looks scary as fuck. <laughs> He's a big tattooed man, and he just laid the smackdown on the Varsity Blondes and Pentagon. That uh, that cannonball into the corner was wild. He, like I've never seen one look that devastating before. So it's about time that this happened. It's been teased for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of um a character like Malachi Black having followers or having you know members with him. And I, I just think it's a good pairing. We know because they're tag they're tag team champions in PWG, I believe. Um so it's it's only I think it's only a positive. And he's not going to come in here and like take a lot of screen time from other people because he's gonna be working with Malachi Black. So I think it's I think it's a good signing. I think it's one of the ones we saw coming. And yeah. Also props to uh Malachi's black red eye and his ever exceeding mark on his face. They got to stop it at some point point or he's going to just devolve into like full blackface. Like the spread has to stop.
1: Well, I mean, I think there's a difference, you know, (laughs) if what you're going for is ghoulish and undead, that's a very different thing than like putting on minstrel makeup (laughs) and, you know, doing something terribly, horribly offensive. Um, But I I do really like this pairing and Brody King is someone who's, like 300 plus pounds and moves like a cruiserweight. Uh, And it's going to be really fun to see what he does fully unleashed with the caliber of opponents that he has to work with here in AEW. So uh, the pairing is great. Uh, Interesting for... Uh, Malachi Black to be the small guy in the big guy, small guy tag team Uh, because he is one of the bigger guys in AEW, and now he's Mm -hmm. with one of the bigger, bigger guys at AEW, so uh, this should be fun to watch. Looking forward to it. Well, this
0: also, it makes more sense why Malachi Black was watching at the end of last week's Dynamite when all the tag teams came out. They made a point to show Malachi Black in a seat, watching them, you know, watching what was unfolding. So if this is going to mean we're going to have, was it what was it? What's their name? In PDW. It's like the king of the black thrones or something like that. Um, I, th- I think they would be an excellent addition and I would love to see them work with all of the tag teams that that <laughs> AWS. Is that, is that being too greedy? Like I, I it's, it's going to be great. And yeah, Brody King is already one of the biggest guys on the roster. Like just, just all, like he's top gotta be top five, biggest dude. So, which we don't have a lot of guys that big.
1: So yeah, for sure. For sure. What do you got for me? I I brought that one up. Oh, right. Hey, what have I got for you? <laughs> uh, so a segment that I really, really enjoyed, and I can't believe I didn't talk about this from last week. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the backstage segment between Matt Hardy and Andrade El Idolo. Uh, it was a continuation of Andrade looking for uh, more people to hire to work for him. <laughs> <laughs> and... Like one of my favorite segments from all of AEW of last week was Andrade uh confronting Mr. Sting and uh inquiring about the services of Darby Allen, the kid that works for you. <laughs> 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 because he and Jose are very busy and they need an assistant. And I just absolutely love this character for andrade i think it's fantastic and his line I, I don't deliveries know what it's leading to so good
0: <laughs> i don't know what it's gonna lead to but yeah i'm I'm enjoying it as, as we go and yeah the 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 working with matt hardy here and like matt hardy kind of being fed up with his hardy family office members like as of late has been interesting too. like not letting private party come with him at the end of that segment um yeah i don't know what this is i have no idea where it's going but it's it's fun
1: all right, now so, what do you got for me?
0: All right, all right. Um, I enjoyed the uh, the backstage interview with uh, Chris Statlander, Red Velvet, and Layla Hirsch. And we got a little tension between Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander here um, with basically Layla Hirsch saying, hey, we have a match this Friday. You're not focused because Layla Hirsch cares about the Ws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Statlander basically like, hey, I got this. Back off. And Red Velvet kind of playing, you know, mediator we wanted to see stories in the women's division that don't involve the title. We're seeing some develop now after this was kind of a reset episode of Dynamite, I think after the TNT, the TBS debut and battle of the belts last week, it kind of felt like new things were starting yeah, this week. Agreed. So it was nice seeing, you know, a potential story with Chris, Chris Lander and Britt Baker. And now this tension between Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. And I, not the best, like they they all three need to work on their promos, I think in that segment, but the general message came across and it's, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's also encouraging to see a women's storyline that started on dark migrate to television. I feel like that's something we haven't seen a lot of, and mm-hmm. there are a lot of good things that happen on dark that. Uh, most of us don't see because they don't make their way to television. So if this is the start of a trend where they can kind of get a story going, get some momentum um, and get some chemistry between the performers and then Mm -hmm. migrate it over to television, uh, that would be great. Uh, A great example, like Swole and Diamante had this excellent feud last year. None of it was on television. And that's the kind of thing where if they had done the first couple of interactions on dark and then did a little vignette promo segment, something on dynamite to transition it over and then had the final match on rampage. That to me would have been a success. And hopefully mm-hmm. this can be a bellwether for what we can expect moving forward.
0: For sure. For sure. What you have for me, dude.
1: Uh, I loved, loved the pack segment his video package with the bandage over his eyes and saying like, now I see clearer than ever. Like everything about that. I love the use of the tarot cards and like the whole aesthetic that he does with these segments is so, so good. Whoever he's working with, or if he's doing it all on his own, who knows? Mm -hmm. Um, I I think with Omicron, like, causing so many things to be canceled and moved around that potentially he's having travel issues again, um, which is why we're seeing another one of these video segments. Um, Mm -hmm. so, uh, excited for whenever he comes back and, you know, I'm looking for some of these people who have had these interactions with Malachi to get corrupted and, you know, we we saw on this episode kind of a darker side to Julia Hart when keep going. Everybody, like <laughs> everybody was attacking Malachi Black, and she was like, "It's not enough. Yep. <laughs> it's not enough." And I want to see more of that, where this kind of creeping evil takes hold of the people who are, you know, marked by Malachi Black. So mm-hmm. uh, I love this pack segment.
0: Yeah, it was really good, and I really just want to see if he wrestles with a blindfold.
1: That would be like, crazy if they could figure like, out a way to do that and have him, you know, wrestle his style. I mean, obviously it would need to be a gimmicked blindfold. We don't need anyone, mm-hmm. you know, wrestling I, without I, being able to I see. Just,
0: I just think he's good enough that he could do it. Uh, like, maybe if he really so, wanted to. So. Like, I, if it was a highly, like, really scripted spot where it's, like, only, like, a minute long where he can just hit some kicks, suplex, and then boom. Like, I think he could do it. But yeah, it probably would have to be a gimmick mask, but that would be a cool look. Um, so, yeah, I, I it was definitely weird. And I it, it's going to be interesting when he comes back, especially with the House of Black now being an actual group. He kept Malachi Black, kept tweeting, you know, like one becomes three or one becomes two. Like, this seems like there's more spaces available um, in this potential group going forward. So a ghoulish one eyed <laughs> pack is something I could be could be down for. Um, Joel, it's kind of weird. We're near the end of the show. And we haven't even talked about Dana Garcia versus Sammy Guevara yet in the main event. Um, I thought this was super fun. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Garcia is really, really talented. I kept getting distracted, though, because I wanted Eddie Kingston to just shove his foot down Jericho's throat. Like, give me this. I want Jericho and Kingston to just... Well, I, I was going to say beat the shit out of each other. I don't want that. I want Kingston to beat the shit out of Jericho. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think the crowd wants that too, judging by the fact that no one was chanting for Chris Jericho and everyone was chanting for yeah. Eddie Kingston. Also in their their promo segment earlier on, like Jericho got absolutely schooled by Kingston. And, you know, we know Jericho is very capable on the mic. So I think this was his way of stepping back and putting the spotlight on Kingston. He is playing a role and doing it very well. So I'm not going to just shit on Jericho. We know he's a great promo, uh, but Kingston definitely was made to look great from that segment mm-hmm. and from the uh segment in the ring at the end and yeah. um, I like Kingston pointing at him and yelling you're selfish, you're selfish um
0: it was a, it was a great line too in the in the backstage promo where he looked at Centeno Ortiz like, you know why you guys aren't champions and he just pointed to Jericho like and what are you and gonna you, say to that because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, every, and we've talked about this. Every time any of the other members have momentum in their own things, they get drawn back into a grander inner circle storyline. The Santana Ortiz were like in the tag team title conversation after their feud with FTR. We're like, oh, sweet, they're going to go get the belts. And then it got sucked into the stupid American top team inner circle storyline. We've talked about how Sammy Guevara's TNT championship run was kind of bland. Because half the time he was doing inner circle shit. Like Kingston's 100% correct. And I hope Santana Ortiz, like there's there's more to this here. Because I would love to kind of see this devolve into maybe Santana Ortiz leave and and join up with Kingston or go and do their own thing. And yeah, maybe this is more Jericho doing this for his own relevancy. I don't know, but I, I love this stuff. This was really good. I, I just want Kingston to kick the shit out of him. That's all I want. That's all I want, Joel.
1: That's what we all want. That's what we all want. Yeah.
0: All right. Anything else? I'm kind of looking through here. I think we kind of touched on.
1: I think we have hit everything worth talking about. Everything.
0: So. Damn, good stuff, dude. Oh, it was from Raleigh last night. And uh, I saw this giant Hurricanes logo on a jersey. I'm like, ah, I always love that logo. That's my random observation of the week.
1: Hey, how about it?
0: Yeah, I know, right? Um, th- yeah, look I was like- going to
1: get tickets. And I was going to go. And then I was like, you know what? I just, I have a feeling that when the time comes, I'm not going to want to be there. And this was months ago uh, yeah. before Omicron. Omicron and it's yeah. like, yeah, no, I do not want to be in a building with a bunch of wrestling fans. Sorry, wrestling yeah. fans. We are not, yeah. as a group, you know, the people that I trust. I do not trust us. Yeah
0: the benefit of going to the show here in Boston is that there was a vaccine requirement and a mask mandate in the building. Yeah. So definitely felt a little safer going to that, but yeah, um, that's a big venue. Like, it's not like, it's not like one of these second rate, you know, basketball hockey arenas. It's like, that's a big venue. So I'm it doesn't have as many seats as you would think
1: though. Like, I mean, but,
0: like for example, it goes we're, up,
1: but it doesn't have that many seats.
0: Is it, is it three levels? It's, was it only two? Yeah,
1: there's a 300 section. Yeah.
0: Okay. Because, like, for example, the arena that they did it in Boston, there's like a 100 and then a small 200 level. That's it. Like, it's really, really small.
1: Yeah. So, so you you have 100, 200, and 300 level tickets in that building. I have been okay. up against the wall for a basketball yeah. game at the very top. Okay. And it it's it's like, sounded
0: it sounded a little quieter than usual. I think it might have been one of the bigger venues they've they've well, done the in a while. the acoustics
1: in there suck. Like I yeah. I used to go to concerts there all the time <laughs> and like you be like, I know this is a great show, but the sound mixing, like it's impossible to get things yeah. right in that building.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. There's some PNC Arena, formerly known as the RBC Center, formerly known as the Entertainment and Sports Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um they should so, go do yeah.
1: Dorton. They should work Dorton Arena.
0: <laughs> what the fuck is Dorton Arena? That's Where the, one the that?
1: fairgrounds. Oh god, no.
0: <laughs> no, no,
1: no, no, no. Uh Actually, no. where they really should go is Reynolds Coliseum.
0: Oh, that's where my high school graduation was. That sucked,
1: dude. Have you been there since they renovated?
0: Uh, when did they? I've graduated in 2008, so if it hasn't, if is that it was last before, time you were
1: there, last time I was there, yeah, it's amazing now. Like it's oh, my okay. favorite place to see a basketball game because the environment is just incredible.
0: Okay, because when I was there, like there was no AC, and our graduation was in June.
1: Oh, no, it's 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 a wonderful (laughs) facility now. Uh, And it's it's low capacity. So like you guys there, uh, the uh, women's team.
0: I was going to say, don't the men play
1: at PNC? They do. But the men also play there a couple games every year. And those are like the best game. They sell out like instantly because, you know, there's not that many seats and everybody knows it's one of the best games to go to because it's just going to be this awesome crowd experience.
0: Oh, that's cool. Well, uh, way way into the deep here but guys you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show Twitter the other wrestling show Joel at the other Joel and me and Michael underscore Aranda you can find the podcast on tune podcast podcast and Spotify Apple podcast stitcher wherever you get them we're there uh you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com and Joel anything to say before I go to Barcelona for dinner
1: Well, if you've listened this far, you're you're committed. So commit to joining the Dark Order. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.